This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here again with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and our CFO, Business Administrator at Family Church, Scott Crawford, talking about the business on church business. Do you think our listeners are wondering when we're going to start talking about Jesus huh? and things like that again? What does that have to do with church? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we do have a lot of things that we have to talk about as we look under the hood of the business on church business. So what is the third principle that you think every pastor should know, Pastor Jimmy? Okay, so we talk about number one, everybody got to know their constitution and bylaws. Number two, every church in my opinion, ought to have a relationship with an attorney. Number three, every church ought to have a yearly external audit. And Scott passes out in his chair because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. Absolutely. Right? Scott, tell us why it's so important to get an external. Like first, tell us what it is. Say, why is it important to get it? Yeah. So some of the reasons that you do that is external audit provides an independent and completely impartial review of your financial activities. And that's something that internal people can't do. It also gives the board and senior leadership the confidence that their financial activities are being accurately accounted for. So that means that you're adhering to generally accepted accounting principles. Mm -hmm. It can reduce and detect potential fraudulent activity in your organization. It helps church employees and volunteers who are providing your bookkeeping services to do so according to documented procedures. And then honestly, let's face it, there's so many government-related acronyms impacting how churches do business like the IRS, the ACA, the DOL, et cetera. So you, it's better, honestly, to have people who are truly experts in these areas providing the, the direction and advice. And I think, too, one of the keys as a pastor, so I have a business degree, I can read financial statements, but I'm not an accountant and I'm not a CPA. And I don't exactly know how all of this works. And I'm not, that's not my job to pay personal attention to every detail of every penny and every aspect of our finances. However, I am responsible for all of it. So what it does for me is it gives me a comfort level that, hey, our whole finance team that is actually doing the accounting every day, that's monitoring money going in and money going out, monitoring our expenses and, you know, keeping within our budget, the external audit tells me as the lead pastor that our team is actually doing things the right way. And so the other thing that happens with this, if there is, you know, as a pastor, I'm 100% dependent on our team to give me the financial information that I have. If they, for whatever reason, are giving me intentionally or accidentally the wrong information, the external audit helps to ferret that out eventually. And that's why I think it's so vital that everybody has that. It provides accountability to our accountability. Yeah. And I think not just for our team and for you personally, but then for our church members. So 100%. I think it's always a great thing that we can say to our church members as they give to our church. And we do have an external audit every year and it gives them the confidence to know not only are we doing our best to handle the money with integrity, but we also have people looking over our shoulder to make sure that we are doing that. So there's so many benefits to doing it, even though it's not the most exciting thing to go through, I'm sure for our finance team, because I know every time we have an external audit, we're told 
do not ask anything of the finance team <laughs> <That's right. laughs> because the auditors are here. That's so right. your questions will have to wait. That's <laughs> right. I'd just be curious if you'd comment, because I do speak to pastors and sometimes executive pastors who surprisingly react negatively to this idea. And so why would somebody who's a pastor of a church or an executive pastor, why would anyone not want to have an external audit? Yeah, that's a tough one, you know, because it really is, as Leslie said, it really is a matter of stewardship. So part of what you're doing is you're just trying to make sure that as you operate, I mean, they're really, you've you've taught us this all the time. They're not our resources. These are God's resources. We're just stewards. And so one of the ways that helps us is is through stewardship. But but I mean, there are some pretty practical reasons. I mean, we've had we both had conversations with people where, you know, there's fines and penalties if you incorrectly handle payroll taxes. If you don't do your 990 uh, submissions right, there's ACA compliance. There's uh, problems with mishandling designated assets or designated funds, mm-hmm. misreporting revenue and expenses. I mean, there are a lot of practical benefits to making sure that someone is giving a, a second set of eyes looking at your your financial activity. And those are mistakes that could happen with the best of intentions. That's right. Those aren't uh, an intentional integrity violation. Those are just people doing it wrong. That's right. No, absolutely right. I mean, you know, it just dotting the I's and crossing the T's is what is where they come in and they help make sure that you've done that, you know, correctly. And I also think, you know, a lot of churches, especially smaller churches have a a volunteer or a a part-time person that keep their books. And so what happens with that which is fine. But what happens with that sometimes is that person isn't up to speed on the way they do it now. And because the rules have changed or the laws have changed or the standards have changed in some way, they are again doing something that would have been 100% right 20 years ago. And you're 100% going to get fined for it today. <laughs> That's right. That's so true. So what is involved in doing an external audit? I know we've talked about the different ways that that can be done. So Yeah, there's really, there's two components of an external audit, two what we would say are deliverables. One is you get an actual detailed accounting of the church's assets, which is going to include activities like your revenue, your expenses, and your depreciation. And the second is there's a letter to management that goes out, and that typically goes to your board, your elders, your senior pastor, uh, any committees that you might have. And that is their stated findings, or which usually includes recommendations on what you could do different or what you could perhaps do better. And so that ends up being a super useful tool for pastors, uh, as Pastor Jimmy said, to be able to look at and say, hey, what could we be doing differently? Yeah, because one of the things that I've always appreciated is we really don't want a totally clean audit. Because if you have a totally clean audit, we might feel good about that for a moment. But if you get too many of those in a row, your auditor's not probably doing a good job because things change too fast. You know, you really want an auditor who's giving, not saying you're doing something wrong, but saying, hey, I would recommend this. Or because this law has changed next year, I want you to do it this way. We've had that with our authors, and it's really helped us a lot, I think. No, it's helped us tremendously. I mean, every year, you're, you're right, every year we've had an audit, we, there have been a few findings. And so those are opportunities for us to refine and improve and, and do what we do better. And so, but you're right, the, the changes in the ordinances and laws and regulations, and even just uh, generally accepted accounting principles, those change all the time. Yeah, so that's a gigantic help to us. Now, Unfortunately, these accounting firms don't just come in here and say, wow, you're a church. We'll do it for free. (laughs) That's right. right. It'd be nice if they did, but they don't. So, yeah. So one of the things that we would say that, you know, kind of how you decide how you're going to do an external audit is is to select a firm. And there's a lot of great firms. There's local firms, I'm sure, in in every area uh, near a church. Uh, But find a firm that you trust, that you respect, that comes highly recommended. 
then agree on a scope and engagement of price. You know, Pastor, you and I talked about this before. Uh, it really isn't a one size fits all. That does, isn't how it works with an audit. Audit prices can change drastically based on the size and complexity of your financial activities and what you're actually asking them to audit. So we'd, we'd ask you to agree on a scope and engagement of price and then provide transparent access to the documents. So Leslie was joking earlier, you know, we kind of sequester our finance team for about a week <laughs> because we really do want to be able to provide them with the information they need to do a successful audit. And so we'd also say then uh, meet and discuss questions and areas of concern. It's okay to actually meet with the auditors and say, hey, is there anything that you're seeing, anything that we should be doing differently? What other information can we give you to help you with this? And then review the deliverables so they give you and take appropriate action. You know, an audit's only as good as your willingness to actually do something about it when they Mm -hmm. give you the findings. Yeah, and I think that's so important because for us, you know, like you said, these are God's resources. They're not ours. They don't belong to us. You and I aren't over here running our own personal small business over here. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. His people have given of their resources, and we are stewarding over that. And the people have tasked us to do this with integrity, transparency, and accountability. And so what I like about the audit is we're not— seeing the auditors as our enemies, they're our friends because we are desiring to be transparent and accountable with the resources that we have. And so if we are not doing something the best way, we want to know because we want to just do it the best way. And that's a, a better posture than seeing the, you know, when the IRS auditors show up, everybody's nervous and they're trying to, you know, that's not, we're paying these people to do us a favor. That's right. These people are going to make us better. And if you see it that way, and if you're a pastor, I would just say, if there's a financial secretary that's running your accounting or a bookkeeper or something, and you sense resistance from them to an external audit, it might be because they are a little bit afraid of what's going to be found. And so I appreciate, Scott, the way that you lead our finance team. There's no resistance to this. Our finance team is eager for them to come in and look at what we're doing and if there are corrections to be made to make them. And so just as a leadership tip to people leading churches and and organizations, if your bookkeeper, your accounting person or team is resistant to an external audit, that might actually encourage you to make sure you get one. And we talked a little bit earlier about the different scopes of external audits. So can we talk about that for our listeners? So there's, you know, smaller scale and then there's larger scale. So how would you look at that, Scott? Sure. There's a couple of different options that you have. You know, at at a minimum, everyone can implement internal controls, Mm -hmm. right? And so internal controls are just a set of procedures and standards that you follow that says everybody that handles money is going to do so according to a set of uh, commonly accepted or commonly adhered to uh, controls. And so you can do it. You could do an audit of your internal controls, and that would be the scope of your audit. So that is that is something that you can do. And that's talking about how you actually handle that's money right. that comes in the plate or that it's mailed in or that's electronically transferred. That's right. How funds are deposited, uh, how they're reported on, exactly who touches it. You know, things like the person who cuts the check can't also be the person who signs the check. Those are some simple the internal controls. The money, transferring money around, whatever. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, another thing you can do is just create and submit financial health reports to some kind of an oversight body. You know, that can be done from any accounting software. It can be as simple as an Excel spreadsheet as Mm. far as that goes. And the only really cost for that is the man hours to generate the reports. And you would include things like your bank reconciliation, your compensation practices, the operational expenses, just some report that allows an outside entity to look at what you're doing. 
Another option is ecfa.org mm-hmm. has an excellent, they have what they call the seven standards of responsible stewardship. That's an excellent resource that gives churches a, a real simple and easy to follow guideline for how you should handle the church's money. And so that's another great option. And then last, a church may want to, con- as an alternative to a full-blown audit, there are a couple of other choices that you have, like financial reviews, uh, financial compilations, and then they have something what's called an agreed-upon procedure. And each of those can be conducted by an independent third-party CPA firm, and they all do have different prices. So a full-blown audit may take five days and may cost five times as much as mm-hmm. some of these other activities, but these other activities still provide benefit and are an excellent resource to a pastor and church. All right. So if I'm a pastor and I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm a single staff church. We have a volunteer bookkeeper or, you know, we're a medium sized church and we've never actually done this. And you're probably going to have some deacons or somebody that's going to push back and say, we don't want to spend the money on that audit. And that's just a waste of money. We do everything right. Where can somebody get started? Work if they're at zero right now and they're like, oh my gosh, we better do that. How could they get the ball moving? Yeah, great question. So so again, if you've got your internal controls, we would say do that first. Have at least a set of standards that everybody and is Where can they to. find those if they don't know what those are? Yeah, honestly, you could probably Google that like you can most things today and find if you okay. if you Googled financial internal controls, it's probably page after page after page of examples of what you could do uh, at a minimum for the people who are handling the money in your church. The second is we would say have some kind of regular reporting. Have someone who's looking at the books on a regular basis to make sure that the books have been closed for the prior month and to make sure that you're actually closing out one level of activity before you enter another. And then from there, there's a lot of great resources. Uh, ECFA.org, again, is another uh, great resource to, to look at. Church law and tax is another one. Finding a good CPA firm. And Pastor, as, as you mentioned before, most of our churches have somebody who's either in, who's either a CPA or in the banking industry or in the financial industry. And those people can, are usually a really good resource to point you in the right direction to someone who does this for a living. But it is super important. We, you know, again, just like we said in our last episode about lawyering up, having a relationship with a CPA firm, having someone who's looking at your books, who is the subject matter expert is just so critical today. And I think one thing pastors ought to hear is that a lot of business people in your church are business owners, farmers, people who have to make their own living and keep their own books. They kind of look at pastors in general as some kind of like amateurs or like we really don't know what's going on with business and that kind of thing. And a lot of times they're right because that's not what we're really focused on. I don't think it should be what we're focused on, but this is a way that you can actually gain credibility and traction with donors, business people in your church, people who know what's going on. Because when you say to them, no, 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 we want to have an external audit, they know what that is. They know how powerful that is. And even though they might grumble a little bit about how much it costs, they actually are going to admire you for desiring to have that kind of integrity, transparency, and accountability when it comes to the money that they are given to the Lord through your church. So again, the business on church business, you better know your bylaws, Leslie. That's right. You got to lawyer up, get in a relationship with an attorney. You need to pay for an outside audit, have a relationship with a CPA firm. And next time we'll discover a topic, we'll cover a topic that every senior pastor will want to hear Setting the senior pastor's compensation. <laughs> we can't I, wait. I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about this. So we'll see you next time. The Business on Church, Business with Church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or 
Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.